Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does it smell good. Wolfen down your lunch. Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey boy. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. Alright, it's noon on a Tuesday. It's time for Wolf and Down Your Lunch. Aaron Maloney is here. Aaron? What's up, guys? What's up? So, it appears that J.J. Watt will be retiring after this season. As he tweeted out this morning, Koa's first ever NFL game, my last ever NFL home game. My heart is filled with nothing but love and gratitude. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure. So, that would seem as though J.J. Watt will retire following the Cardinals' two games against the Falcons and the 49ers. But do you think, are you buying that J.J. Watt is actually going to retire after this season, or do you think we'll see him again? Uh, I actually kind of think he's retired. Now, look, the, the, the wording of that would make it seem like he could just play road games for the rest of his career. But it's not like he said, this is my last ever game at State Farm Stadium. It's not like, it was nothing like that where he could kind of like sneak out. I mean, look, if he wants to come back in here, nobody's going to tell him, no, you can't do that if he's still good. But I I don't know. I, I kind of think with, you know, he had the health scare a couple weeks ago, just had the child. That makes you change your yeah. priorities a bit. I kind of feel like that might, and he's going out, not on top team-wise, but individually he's playing good football. I think just speaking from a human element, when you're 33 years old and have those two kind of things happen in the same like couple of months, I think that's different than having it happen when you're like 24, or 25. Like he's done a lot, seen a lot, achieved a lot in his career. Um, Alex Weiner from our web department had a really good stat: last two games, three sacks, five quarterback hits, five tackles for loss, one forced fumble. The way that he came off the field uh, after the game as well, the way that he's been stepping up his play the last two weeks, I think it's been something that's been on his mind for a while now. I assume this is not just like a gut reaction to anything. I think that he's really thought it through. Was that your Watt stat that I've been waiting for? Nope. We get into that next segment. Next segment. All right, next segment. Can't wait for it. It's huge. <gasps> According to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, Cardinals All-Pro Safety Buda Baker is out for the rest of the season due to a fractured shoulder. The hits keep on coming. How of big of a loss is this? I don't think... Well, I don't think the game against the Falcons will get ugly. The game against the 49ers certainly could. Um, but that's the sort of guy that I think has been helping it not get ugly. And they haven't played great teams over the last month either. But I, I keep coming back to, hey, this team has not quit on Cliff the way the Broncos clearly quit on Nathaniel Hackett. But it has been pointed out to me, and I think there's some merit to this, part of the reason they haven't quit is because of guys like J.J. Watt and Buda Baker. When Hop got suspended uh, over the summer, you and I, back in July, had a really good segment where we were ranking the most important players on this team outside of Kyler, obviously, because a quarterback on any team is always the most important. And I was going to make the case for a Hop number one, and you convinced me by the end of the segment that it was Buda, and you were right. Like, nice. Buda is, is the most important player on this team outside of Kyler, and, and it's just it, it's so brutal to watch a guy go through an injury like this specifically that is going to eat you fracture your shoulder. Is that what it was? Like, that's going to keep you off the field, even if you're Buda, who plays through almost anything. That's going to keep you out of two meaningless games in the standings. <laughs> he wants to play anyway. He yeah. wants to anyway. 
Devin Booker only played four minutes in the Suns' Christmas matchup with the Nuggets before exiting with a left groin injury. Book has already been ruled out for tonight's matchup at the Grizzlies. How concerned are you about Booker right now? So seriously, lost Buddha and Booker on Christmas Day, right? I mean, that, that's I'm not like imagining that. They both got hurt. Uh, I am concerned in the sense that he missed a couple games with this injury, came back, and then had to leave again. So I think they're going to be more cautious with it this time. Kellen, you mentioned earlier that uh, he's back in Phoenix. So, I mean, they have five more games on this road trip. I would assume we don't see him in any of those five. That takes us through January 4th. Sure, he would love to be back for that January 6th game at home against the Heat, but I think they're going to be really extra careful with him. Like, it wouldn't shock me if we didn't see him for a few weeks. Brendan Clean pointed out on t- pointed out on Twitter they play in Toronto on Friday, so you can imagine like getting to Toronto in, in like two days or whatever, how yeah. complicated that can be so right now. They're, they're back in New York on Monday. I think like that's probably the closest you can see him return. I think that's being pretty optimistic. A point I make across all sports is that guys on the inside know way before we do on the outside, and I've been saying for the show now, like I just think this is not a good basketball team right now, and you look at that stretch that he had where he scored 44, 51, 41, then he completely didn't look like himself, missed some games because of the hand. He comes back, then he scores 58, and he just single-handedly carried a team away. I've seen almost no one ever do in a Suns uniform against Pelicans. Then he has to miss more time again, and then he tries to come back probably. He probably came back too early and re-injured himself. Like, he did the superstar thing. He carried this team single-handedly through a stretch where it looked like the season was starting to go south for them, but his body couldn't handle it, and I don't think anyone's could with how much he's been doing for this team. In terms of Sunday night's game against the Nuggets, what do you guys take away from it? I liked the fight. I mean, again, it wasn't just you played like some whatever, some just generic NBA team or some basketball team from a movie. Denver's a good team, and Jokic was playing out of his mind and is playing out of his mind and might win MVP again. Um, Jamal Murray was playing out of his mind, and they hung around. The biggest takeaway for me was Landry Shamit potentially turning a corner, hitting 31 points for the second time in three games. But as we heard earlier with, with uh, Kevin Ray when he joined us, Shamit's already out tonight with uh, Achilles soreness. We should still really highlight it, though, because he scored uh, in double digits for the fourth straight game. He has not done that yet as a Suns player, which is hard to believe it at the same time. Think about how inconsistent playing time is for him, maybe not getting those opportunities. Here's the stat, though. Dozen games entering that four-game streak, he had scored 82 points over 12 games, and his last four games, he has scored 90 points. Yeah. Just like a scoring explosion we've never seen from him before. And it looks not sustainable to the point where I expect 31 every night, but like he looked like a confident shooter in that Denver game. The Broncos fired head coach Nathaniel Hackett after a 4-11 and start. Here's Mark Schlereth from ESPN This Morning. Mostly relief. I think people are, are relieved that he's not the head coach. Uh, they're excited and, you know, they're ready for some change. I mean, the people here, they have just, you know, they were so spoiled for so many years under Pat Bowen's leadership, more playoff appearances than losing seasons. And so, you know, it's just been a drought for six years and it's been awful. And obviously Christmas Day was as embarrassing as any game that I've witnessed here in Denver for, I gosh, I didn't even know how long, forever. So, yeah, I think people were, were excited and relieved. What other teams do you think are likely to be looking for a coach in two weeks? 
Well, I, I mean, I think the Colts for sure. Um, Carolina, although you got to give credit where credit's due. Steve Wilkes has that team playing better. If they make the playoffs, I don't know if they make that change. And he's definitely, he looks like a lot better coach now than he did a few years ago when he was here. There's going to be a couple other teams, Kellen. There always is. And so a lot of those teams at the bottom of the standings, I mean, I guess Houston's always kind of almost looking for a coach. Um, a lot of the teams at the bottom of the standings just hired coaches, maybe New Orleans. But I also think that we can't completely write off the idea that if Sean Payton is truly available, that some team that either makes the playoffs and loses in the first round, like Dallas, or some team that is better than these bad teams sees an opportunity to get Payton, maybe they make a switch too. So the odds uh, a week ago, and this is before Hackett was like, oh, Hackett actually had the, was plus 500, the fourth uh, highest odds. Cliff number one, uh, Kevin Stefanski from Cleveland number two, Todd Bowles with the Bucks number three, and then rounding it out, Lovey Smith in the fifth at plus 800 with the Texans. Nathaniel Hackett was fourth on odds to get fired. He was plus 500 to be the next head coach fired a week ago. Nice cash in that ticket for whoever pulled the trigger there a week that ago. That feels like that was like the most automatic, even if they didn't fire him mid-season, the second their game ended in week 18, they were going to be like, alright, sorry the season's over, Nathaniel, you're fired, let's have some exit interviews, but not with you, Nathaniel, because you're fired. Gambling just seems so easy, right? Yeah, in retrospect, if they would let get you go the back. Get the app, brother, get on it. If you, what well, you doing? Do they have one where you can go back and bet on things that have already know, happened? Man, probably not, it's not Back to the Future. Okay, Back to the Future 2. Yeah. The universe of Back to the Future, the Back to the Future just, Cinematic Universe. Sorry, I didn't classify that. I wouldn't be very specific Enough for you. people. Aaron, you start talking. I don't like when you talk well, to Well, she anymore. can't because we have to go to break. Thank you, Aaron, though. That was great. Um, when we come back, does J.J. Watt's retirement signal the end of an era for the Cardinals? We'll explain next. It's Wolf and Luke. Kellen Olson in for Wolf and Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Right, we're back, and Kellen is still here, even though we've already done the Dalton Far Show segment. I, I kind of thought you were going to walk out and be like, I'm done. It's all downhill from there. But you were, that was the most fun I've had today. Actually going to unscrew the microphone and drop it and just walk out, <laughs> but you didn't. And that's good, because we have this stat that you've been... Uh, oh, gosh. You wouldn't tell me two hours ago. I like, I have this amazing J.J. Watts stat. I couldn't I get like, it in in time. I was like, okay, well, what is it? Just tell me during the break. And you're like, no, I'm waiting till two hours from now, and we talk about it again. So here we go. No pressure, but if the stat bores me... I'm just going to start watching the Camellia Bowl on that TV over there. Well, if I had to, like, when guys like him retire, guys like him get injured, things like that, you kind of look for statistical context to define what you think in your head, which is like this guy's a true difference maker on the football field and the news of him retiring, of course, which you failed to mention in, in the lead up to my, how, how dare you? Well, I didn't know here. if the stat was like going to be so good that J.J. Watt <laughs> would hear it and be like, I can't retire now. It's, it's over now. Well, the stat is from a decade ago, so he probably doesn't feel the same way oh, when okay. he was 23 years old than he was when 34 years well, old. Well, then okay. in that case, J.J. Watt announced his retirement. So support. something that I brought up there is like, I don't know if I've seen a guy on the Cardinals in my time watching them as a fan, anyone better on the defensive line at, at getting by a double team, squishing through it, throwing it out of the way, whatever, and then grabbing the legs of a running back before he can break the line of scrimmage on a running play. Like, he does it all the time. It's it's frightening how well he does it because you think of how large two offensive linemen are and just how he is able to finagle his way around and, and again, grab a running back. And they're never ignoring J.J. Watt. It, th- that is a tackle for loss. That's what the statistic is called. Now, it's only been tracked since, like, 1999 or so. So if you're thinking about, like, the all-time greats of defensive linemen going back 30, 40, 50 years ago, 
regardless doesn't track to them. But typically, the leader in tackles for loss in a season, they have around 20, 21, 22, 19, 18. J.J. Watt, for example, has 14 this year. Like He would have been in the running for leading this stat. I think Max Crosby right now has 16 or 17. He's leading the league. The fourth most tackles for loss all time, again, since 99 going back, it is tied. Vaughn Miller and Chandler Jones had 28. The guy in third and second, tied for second, is a guy named J.J. Watt. He had 29, so he's third, he's second, 29. The most tackles for loss in a season, 39 by J.J. Watt in 2012. So 10 more than anyone else in history, over that's 33%. Over 33% more than anyone else has ever had since 1999 in a season. 2012, one of his three defensive player of the year years, he had 39 tackles for loss. Again, you're, if someone breaks 20, they had an incredible year, and he did double that in a season. So he's first, second, and third on the all-time single Tackles season. for loss in a season. He's first, second, and third. It's extremely impressive. He was, he was a, was, unfortunately. He still is for two weeks. Yeah. He's a dominant force on, on the football field, and that kind of stat, I think, really encapsulates. I was happy to find that because, again, I think that was the first thing as a Cardinals fan that came to mind watching him play football, and that statistic backs it up that he's been the best at that specific thing for two decades now, and it hasn't been close. Has not been close. That's crazy. 39. That stat was good enough that I did not look up and see the Buffaloes beating Georgia Southern 17-14 in the Wow, game. that's a big compliment. I, did I, you think about food during it? Either no, Luke? not Whoa. even. Just focused on tackles You for did a just loss. eat 10 minutes ago, so maybe I got that's lucky true. there with yeah. the time or anything. Yeah. But yeah, like I'm looking at guys on this list, like Demarcus Ware, who was an absolute monster. The highest he got was 27. Aaron Donald, who might be the best defensive player ever, who plays in that specific spot of a, of a field, yeah. 25 is the highest he's ever gotten. JJ had 39 in 2012. That's crazy. Yeah. This guy is one of the best defensive players of all time. And he is going out playing good football. It, we're not seeing a shell of JJ Watt just kind of limp to the finish line. He, you know, he could have played another four or five years or whatever. And okay, now I'm just going to kind of collect a paycheck. I mean, I, I have all the respect in the world if he really is calling it quits. He's got two more games. And this is why I kind of believe it. You know, we had the question earlier. You said it, Kellen. Now you look back at these last few games, it really looks like he is playing like a guy that knows this is it and he wants to make sure he goes out on a high note. And when you're watching it or you're watching, you know, you're watching the way he plays and it would have been easy to say, okay, yeah, he's going to be a free agent probably this offseason. Of course he's playing like this. Well, now you kind of understand why he's been playing like this. He wants to go out playing playing good football. You see the way he kind of stayed on the field after the game on uh, on Sunday, and, and watching it in the moment, I didn't know if that's just something he does, and I have not noticed it before. And maybe it didn't have anything to do with the retirement, but it would make a lot of sense now that he's looking around being like, yeah, this is my last ever home game. It, you said it earlier where you said it feels like he's been thinking of this for a while. This was not just spur of the moment after the game on Sunday. And where he was headed was was not the dreaded necessarily because I think he's playing really good football right now still. And if he would have signed with a te- another team next year, I think he still would have been a good contributor for them. But do you know Hakeem Olajuwon played for the Toronto Raptors? Uh, you know, they just Did you know Patrick Ewing played for the TV Magic? Like They're they all-time greats who will go and do the... I, I, you, you Patrick know, Ewing on the Magic, I did not remember that. You know like Michael Jordan on the Wizards, obviously, even though he was pretty productive in that spot still. like There are different elements of that in there for sure where guys... 
end up being productive at that stage. But still, you do see the all-time greats go, and it's been a year or two too long, and they're on this team where it's like, why is Charles Barkley on the Rockets right now? Like, Tom what, Brady in Tampa? Yeah, like, even what, though they're going to win the Super Bowl like, somehow? What exactly is going on here? And he won a Super Bowl doing it, but he's still clearly, pretty clearly on his decline. Like, J.J. Watt's not doing that, and I always have respect for guys who do that when they see ahead of their time, or I think more importantly, Luke, to the point where we've seen his play step up in the two weeks, I'm sure physically he feels it, where he's like, man, next year, like, I'm, I'm not sure if I could push it all. This is me speculating, but I, I've got to believe that there's some sort of listening to his body here where he knows he's got this year of elite football left, and he doesn't want to play average football next year or the year after, because all he has been I'm assuming since he was a toddler is elite at football. Like when the four year olds were lining up over center, you know, when he was lining up there. Yeah, but see, I'm still picturing full size JJ Watt playing Pop Warner <laughs> football and just dominating, just breaking the quadruple team from the from the five year old center. Yeah, but no, yeah, that that's the point. Is that like you go back to Wisconsin and all this stuff? Like this guy has just been elite his entire life at football, and this is how he wants to end it too. He wants to be elite when he ends it, and he doesn't want to just finish out being like I said, Hakeem on on the Raptors or whatever. It's it's um. I don't want to say unfair, but it, it sort of doesn't feel right that a guy like J.J. Watt never made a deep playoff run, right? He, he never J.J. Watt never gets to play in the Super Bowl. It's just a reminder that a lot of great, truly great NFL players never even get to the Super Bowl. Um, I hope I hope this is more of a just, you know, yeah, okay, my body's feeling it. I hope it's not about. I hope it's not the health scare that he had a few weeks ago. I hope that didn't drive him to this. Not that it would be wrong if it did. I just. I, I hope that that's not still an issue. I hope it's more like, hey, I just had a kid. I'm playing good football. You know, my body's starting to get a little beat up. I've been in this league for a while playing this position. I, I, I hope it's more that. And, and like you said, him choosing to go out on top. It's funny. We had somebody tweet in, like, can we just hire him as a coach? Yeah. I would be lying if I said that wasn't my first thought of, like, can I just have him still, like, hang out with Cameron Thomas and Zach, Zach Allen? Can they at yeah. least go get dinner somewhere? Like, I don't know, every week. I, I think it's really cool that he's going to be able to know it in, like, the same way Alex Weinerstadt brought up just how – in the last two weeks, like he's really stepped up his play. It's really cool to have that awareness. Like when he goes to where are they in the, on the last week of the year? San Francisco. So in San Francisco, when he plays catch with a fan, that's going to be the last time he ever does that. Yeah. He's going to have like the awareness to know, like, this is the last time when he turned around, Cam Cox from 12 News caught the video of him turning around, looking at State Farm Stadium, being like, this is the last time I'm playing in front of home fans as an NFL player. Like, that was his thought. And he's going to have the awareness of that. Like, when he gets a sack uh, in San Francisco, he's going to get a sack. The last, he's, he's J.J. Watt. It'll Brock be the, last, the last guy he's going to sack in the NFL. It will be the last sack that he's ever had. He's going to have moments like that. And I think that's really cool to have that kind of awareness. I, I know some people have different philosophies on it. Like, you don't want to know, you want to know. But I, I think it's really cool that he's going to have those those kinds of moments. And he's just like an all-time great player. Like, you know how the, the, the football reference, baseball reference, they have the pictures of the guys? It's really cool for his legacy that this is what you look at if you look at my screen right now Luke for the visual odd for the visual meaning you look at all-time leaders for tackles for loss and it's just three pictures of JJ Watt yeah and, and then I, I think I see Aaron Donald and Von Miller in there too yeah kind yeah. of mixed up in there decent football players too but that, that's his legacy he's one of the best defensive defensive players of all time and then you talk about best defensive linemen of all time like he's like top five top ten like he's he's in the mix there and he got to play at that level like it, he's the best player in the game by a mile last Sunday and he still got that in him it's really impressive at this stage of his career to have that and to have the awareness and, and fortitude to call it up. Here's uh, Zayvon Collins after the game on Sunday talking about uh, J.J. Watt. No, 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 no. He knows what he's doing. And you know what I mean? I just tell Jay, do whatever you want. I'll make you right in the back end. It's easy because he makes it just, he makes a decisive decision and goes with it. So, yeah, um, no surprise there. J.J.'s been doing that forever and uh, it's not, it's nice having that in front of you as a linebacker. The question now, if you're looking for bright spots with this 
team this season. There aren't many, but the, the potential bright spot would be Zach Allen has gotten a lot better. Uh, Zayvon Collins has gotten better. Isaiah Simmons has been up and down, but I would still say is better than he was certainly two years ago. Cameron Thomas is showing flashes lately, and he's a rookie. Uh, MyJ Sanders, same thing. How much of the progress those guys have made is because either they're on the field with J.J. Watt and the other team's like, well, we're not letting J.J. Watt beat us, or uh, just the simple fact that they're around J.J. Watt so much in practice or at dinner or whatever. I mean, I guess, look, the good thing is it sounds like he's probably still going to live here, so it's not like yeah. it's not like Cameron Thomas can't call J.J. Watt. And something that you guys on the show the fall, this whole week, really, and a lot of the shows are going to hit on, we had it actually written down for the segment we never got to it, is like, does this signal the end for this iteration of Cardinals teams? Like the, like the DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt, Cliff Kingsbury like era that we think of of these last couple of years this this we have Kyler in a rookie deal let's go for it kind of thing make the Hollywood trade kind of stuff does this signal the end of like this kind of era of Cardinals football is he the first domino to fall in that it's really interesting and I'm not really sure what the answer is or what my answer would be to it well and the thing is too you don't it would really help if you knew hey Kyler's not going to be himself next year or he's not going to be back until week eight I think you would go into a a full-blown mini rebuild and just try to have you because especially now with this like probably not going to have the same GM. You may not have the same coach. J.J. Watt has been one of your two or three best players this season. I I don't know. The door is open for a mini rebuild, but (laughs) you got a quarterback on a huge deal starting two seasons from now. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now when we come back. What do the Suns need to add to this roster? they got about six and a half weeks till the trade deadline. What do they have to add to get back on track as title contenders? We'll tell you next. It's Wolf and Luke. Kellen Olsen's in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We are back here on a Tuesday afternoon. Kellen Olson is in for Wolf today. Suns, Grizzlies again tonight. Kellen, the Suns have now dropped 8 of 11, which is feels weird. I know they've played some good teams in there. I know they've been beat up in there. I know that there are some extenuating circumstances. Uh, but if not for a 58-point effort from Devin Booker on December 17th against New Orleans, they'd be 2-9 in their last 11. Where are you with this team? I asked uh, Kevin Ray a similar version of this question earlier, but to just to sort of start off this segment, when you look at Memphis, like tonight, or the Pelicans, or Denver, who we just saw on Sunday, if the playoffs were starting tomorrow, how far do you think the Suns are going in these playoffs? Uh, right now? Yeah, right now. Because yeah, there's a there's a reason. So the doing season this. would end right now, so season they would still ends. be in the playoffs. Because yes. I was like, if it's like three weeks from now, I don't even know if they're in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, they they lose. That. They lose in the first round. Yeah. Um, they're not a good basketball team. And the way I phrased it earlier is that they're a bad basketball team. What right if now? Booker was back? What if I told you Booker's back, but but the team is still constructed the way it is? Second round, he can win. A, he can win a first round playoff okay. series on his own. He's that good. But then he'll pretty well, he'll have to push himself too far and get hurt again. Probably like that's like that's what's happened a couple of times here. I'm going to keep asking you questions until you so, have them winning back to back titles. I, just I don't know what believe those questions are. when I try and zoom out, I, this is what I always try and do with things: is I look at them very simple-minded and logical and the way that I do that sometimes is zoom out all the way and just try and look at the overviewing one thing overall above all else and the one thing for me with the Suns right now is I think that their current roster construction has been pushed to its absolute limits and when I say that 
it's layered and there are a lot of things inside of that which I'll get to right now but I think the way that their roster is set up right now is just not built to withstand what is going on right now which is this cascade of injuries first things first the way the team is set up they have two superstars and then they have a terrific supporting cast that fits perfectly around those two superstars that is why they made the finals two years ago when a lot of those pieces like Mikel Bridges and DeAndre Aiden and Cam Johnson and Devin Booker had never even been in the playoffs before and they made the finals the problem you have one star he's been hurt a couple of times the other star is not even going to be an all-star this year I don't I think it's pretty clear he hasn't even been a top 10 player at his position has he been top 15 at his position maybe that's Chris Paul that has been a huge issue the other one is the supporting cast has been so injured slash inconsistent with their play and they haven't improved enough to show it we talked about this earlier in the show does Mikel Bridges deserve a ton of criticism like he's been getting on my in my Twitter mentions the last week for the offensive rut that he's going through when all he does defensively now he's taking 15 shots a game is this too much to ask out of him I'm not sure I think that DeAndre Ings numbers have been good but I think a game to game basis he's just making more mistakes than he really ever has in the regular season in the last two or three years it's been really inconsistent on his part Cam Johnson someone we would mention in this he's hurt uh, Jay Crowder someone who we would mention in this I know it's not taboo to say his name right now because he just doesn't exist and he's away from the team but when you take a roster you can make it as perfect as you want i said this roster is perfectly constructed but when you take a top six most important player on any team and they're just gone the entire year and you one get nothing for them back yet two you don't replace them at all like it's one thing if they don't trade jake Ryder, but they didn't even get a replacement for him in, in the short term i'm not saying they should have done that but they just didn't eventually that is going to catch up for you catch up to you that is what is happening right now tory craig is having a good year He's been fine. He's been okay as a starter, which is great for, for Torrey Craig and what you're getting from him, honestly, and what you got him for. But that's just not enough. And you just look at this team down the line. We've been talking about ball handler for two plus years. It is catching up to them right now. Hey, it doesn't help that campaign was awesome as a starter. And then once he was transitioning back into a bench role and getting comfortable there again, he got hurt. It doesn't help that Landry Shamit plays the best basketball stretch of his Phoenix Suns career and then gets hurt. It doesn't help that Devin Booker's been in and out of the lineup when this is happening. Johnson it doesn't was help. playing really good and then he got hurt too. It doesn't help with that. And it doesn't help that Chris Paul also missed a month. Like all of this doesn't help, but what we're seeing is that no matter how perfectly designed a basketball team is or a roster is and really any sport, how perfectly designed it is, if enough things go wrong, it will fall apart pretty quickly in terms of how solid that foundation looks. It can fall apart quickly based on certain factors, and we've just seen a half dozen to a dozen of them. I think it starts at the top with Chris Paul's play, but I think the injuries right after that have just really really hurt them and the fact that there's still no Jake Crowder trade yet. So let me ask you this. You've got six weeks, basically, six weeks from this Thursday to the NBA trade deadline. I believe if you wait six weeks and it's like that Tuesday and you try and trade Jay Crowder, there's a point where his value, his trade value starts to go down and it goes down rapidly because teams are going to look and say, if you get the trade deadline is February 9th. If we get to like February 6th and you still haven't dealt him, teams are going to be like, I will give you a late second rounder for him because that's better than the nothing you're about to get in two days. So obviously that trade's got to be made. I would prefer sooner rather than later. I'm not totally sure what they are hoping to get in return for him. But beyond that, you and I had this conversation in the offseason. What do you need? Do you need, a, do you need a backup point guard? Do you need somebody like that? You, ideally, could be the heir apparent whenever Chris Paul retires. Maybe that's too much to ask right now. Uh, do you need another wing that can defend? What, what do you need? I, I am... 
I'm getting more and more as we watch this season's in particular, Kellen, concerned that they just need another guy that can score on this team. And I don't know how you can necessarily attain that. You've got draft picks you can trade, though. I mean, you're, this is still all-in, win-now mode, right? I don't know anymore. I don't know. Should it be in your mind? Because I think it absolutely I need should an, be. I need another month. I don't know. I need to see Chris Paul for another month. If I get this Chris Paul for another month, I'm not sure anymore. I'm not sure that the problem is as simple as trading for Kyle Kuzma, trading for someone who can do the Eric Gordon scoring thing that isn't Eric Gordon because the Suns don't want Eric Gordon. I'm not sure if that's... I, I, I'm not sure. I am sure that if this continues for the month, the next month the Suns play like this, Chris Paul plays like this, it's not that simple of a fix to turn them into a contender again and have them be someone who we pick to get out of the West. They need a star. So look, if someone becomes available for two first-round picks this, this, and that, and you get a second star if Pascal Siakam becomes available because the Raptors are kind of a tire fire right now. If something like a fire sale within some team happens where you can get someone who is an all-star. I'm not talking about the Brandon Knight wasn't was nearly an all-star in the Eastern Conference, that kind of thing. Is an all-star, all-NBA caliber player. If someone like that becomes available and you can get them, yes, the win-now move, I think you're there. But I think if this continues for the next month, I really do believe that you'll need that magnitude of a move, and I'll look at it differently than I would have now or a couple of months ago. Now, the argument here, Luke, is that if you would have just made that Kyle Kuzma, Eric Gordon-esque move four months ago, then you would have been in a better position anyway. But it just yeah. it just changes if it's January. But you still have to get something for Jay Crowder. You still have to, and something is not a protected first round pick and a guy who's going to play for half a season as the ninth man on the team and then leaves. Like you need to get something for him, and and a, and a good basketball player is going to be around here for a while at that. Because I know everyone looked at Jay Crowder and. I've always said this. I've been a huge Jay Crowder fan of what he does, and I've always been the guy more than anyone else who has preached his importance on the team. You need to replace him effectively with a top six, seven, eight caliber player on the team. And I think that's why the reports coming in from Mark Stein recently that they're looking for someone who's a certifiable starter line up with just kind of the, the way we've seen. Yeah. And just to be clear, obviously, you're not getting Kyle Kuzma for Jay Crowder. And it was funny because I brought up Kuzma the other day and they're going to play him again. And I had a couple of people on Twitter get back to me like, I don't want Kyle Kuzma, dude. I don't want to I don't want an OK player off a bad team. That's like your ceiling. What else are you going to get? Unless unless you truly believe that Kevin Durant still wants out of Brooklyn. And by the way, don't look now. Brooklyn's like the hottest team in basketball. They somehow are all working it out. So I still think that's a very volatile situation. But I, I don't can't see Brooklyn being like, yeah, we want to move Kevin Durant now. Those guys you're talking about that are like, could you get a, a true star? Kyle Kuzma, not a true star. Could you get a true star? I don't. I don't think those guys are going to be available, but I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how you tell a team that has Devin Booker and Mikel Bridges and, and Cam Johnson when he comes back and DeAndre Ayton even that we're not going all in right now. I don't know how you tell your fans that, but you're going to have to do something. And I'm starting to think it's it's I have been for a month now thinking it's more than one move, because what you're saying is you need to see for another month. Devin Booker might not play for half that month. Uh- on your Kyle Kuzma point, Jackson Frank with Dime Up Rocks uh, tweeted, in the last 17 games, Kyle Kuzma is averaging 25.7 rebounds and four assists per game. Yeah, I would uh, anyone, anyone doubting uh, Kyle Kuzma acquisition, I don't know what you're looking at because that dude is a really good offensive player, and that's what exactly what this team needs. It was like the meanest I've ever seen people on Twitter. That's not true, but it's the meanest <laughs> that people have ever responded. I shouldn't even say like meanest. A two, a two out of ten is being vocal about how bad Kyle Kuzma is. But, yeah. but just the passion of, like, I don't want Kyle Kuzma. And I was like, is there something I don't know about Kyle Kuzma? 
Kuzma. He takes bad shots a lot, but I don't care. He can score. They <laughs> need a scorer, and, and Washington's done. They're not. It's not like Washington's going to be like, well, if you want Kuzma, I want everything you have. Washington's like, take him. We're not keeping him. He doesn't want to be here beyond this. But year. my point is the yes, trade two first round picks for Kyle Kuzma. That tone, I need to see another month now. I'm not sure. I would wait. You're specifically watching Chris Paul, or is there something else? Him, him, eighty five percent, fifteen percent. The rest of the team. If the team continues to do this kind of stuff, we were talking about with Carey, like the blown layups, the defensive coverage, the bad defensive team we've been watching. Part of that factors in, but it's mostly Chris Paul. Yeah, because you just it it predicates so much on Paul and Booker. If it's just Booker and a supporting cast, and Paul's part of the supporting cast, then it changes. I, I'll do what Wolf does to you a lot when you call in as a guest, and we'll get back into this later. You have three seconds. DeAndre Ayton still on this team in twelve months? No. <laughs> How's that for a tease for an hour from now? Uh, all right. Coming up next, we're going to take you through all the biggest games around the National Football League. Week 16 is done. We'll react quickly. Next, it's Wolf and Luke. Kellen Olson in for Wolf and Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Week 16 officially in the books around the National Football League. I watched way too much of that game last night, that Chargers-Colts game. Did you watch any of that? No. How was it? Awful. Oh. <laughs> so bad. I'm just, I'm fascinated by those two teams in particular because the Colts start well and then they just don't show up for the second half of games. And the Chargers have this thing they do where they always like to fall behind by like at least seven and then they start trying. So I was like, okay, I'll see how this plays out. And uh, I couldn't take it by the time we got to the second half. And the Chargers won, and the Chargers are in the playoffs. So there you go. How about that? The L.A. Chargers have made it to the NFL playoffs. Who um, could have seen it coming? Congratulations to them. Good good for the Chargers. Where do you want to start as far as games this weekend, Kellen? How about, how about we start here, which is not typically where you would. But um, if this is how the Detroit Lions react to being in the playoff conversation by giving up so many rushing yards that people lost count to the Carolina Panthers... <laughs> 320, but it was 245 midway through the second quarter. Um, am I to assume <laughs> Detroit has peaked, or what's going on here with the Lions? I'm going to ask you, so my take on the NFL, okay. I have an overarching take on the National Football League. There are barely any good teams in the NFL every year for the last like four or five years. And what I mean by good, really good, is that you can look at them and say they are a certified Super Bowl contender. If you look at the NBA right now, which is a, a bad comparison just because the parity is at an all-time high, you could argue that there are eight or nine teams you could throw in there and be like, yeah, they could win it. Yeah. Like, we can still say the Suns if they make a move and, and they get healthy and Chris Paul starts to turn back. And, like We can see a, an outline to their season where they win a championship. It's unlikely, but you can see it. Can you see one for the Ravens at 10-5? and five? Can you see one for the Bengals at 11-4? and four? Like, I really... Okay, the Bills, 12-3. and three, They're in there. Well, right? here, before you say this, okay, yeah, I, I think there I wanna, are four that... If if you let me take four teams, I'm convinced I can get you the Super Who's Bowl the second winner. one in the NFC besides the Eagles? Is there a second one in the NFC? San Francisco. That's, that's, I still think those are my four. That's yeah. it. I think there's four because I look at this like Minnesota 12 and three. Like I'm not no, even. Get are they going to make that. the NFC no, championship? No, are you no, kidding me? No. Not. And that's fine. I know Vikings fans are. But we're going to show you. You're going to trust this team. Yeah, I will if they start winning in the playoffs. I don't care and that I, they can barely beat the. Colts. I brought this up because we just talked about two teams where at nine and six the Chargers and in a really tough AFC and a really tough AFC West we bring up the Lions who is. 
coordinator starting to really put some things together offensively for sure. Does it matter? Like, does it? Bills, Chiefs is what we're getting, and then we're probably getting Eagles and someone else, whoever else figures it out in, in the NFC. Like, it's just not to say any of these games, but I just watch these teams, like the, the Ravens scrap together a 17 to 9 win over Atlanta. I know they're going through things at, at quarterback right now, but I. Wow, the, the Bengals really pulled it out against the, a, a tough, scrappy New England team. You know what I mean? Like it's just like I watch these teams. And I'm like, you are an imposter. You are not eleven and four. It, it, you have won eleven games and lost four. You are not an eleven and four football team, Bengals. You guys are not that good. Let alone good. I don't see it. I think there's how is four. there a one win difference between the Bengals and the Bills? Well, I don't understand. I think what is this four, sport? Four teams that could that realistically can win the Super Bowl, and two more that you have to at least. Respect, but one of them's the Bengals, and I feel like you're not. The only reason I think a team like the Bengals or the Cowboys could make some noise is because it's single elimination. Now, I fully believe Mike McCarthy to Mike McCarthy it up in the first round, and they will lose to the Buccaneers somehow. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are one of the worst teams I've seen all season, are going to be in the second round of the playoffs. But I think realistically, the Bills, Chiefs, realistically, the Bills, Chiefs, and Eagles are light years ahead of everybody else. But I'll put the 49ers in there, too, because the rest of the team is so good, except we don't know what we're getting at quarterback. Can can everyone together, including you listening right now, everyone listening, can you just please understand in advance how much I hate I'm saying this out loud. Okay. Everyone together realize if you can hear it in my voice, I yeah. hate this. I can hear the hatred. <sighs> I'm adding the Packers in the box. No, what? I'm doing oh, you it. mean to I'm, the playoff picture? No, no, I'm adding it to the Super Bowl. Concern, no, it's I don't care. I don't care Leave. how human they look during the season. I do, Ding dong, the witch is dead. I don't hear the doorbell yet. I don't hear it yet. It, it, it is... Apparently going off with the way that they've regressed, but until that I see it... That is just because the rest of their conference and division is just trash. Oh, all these teams letting wow. Green Bay back in. All the teams are letting Tampa Bay into the playoffs. If Tom Brady outplays Jalen Hurts, would you be surprised? Would you be surprised? No, I think everything's going to conspire to Brady getting another Super Bowl ring. So somehow. Would you be surprised if Aaron Rodgers outplayed Brock Purdy? <laughs> yes, because Brock Purdy's on the Niners and Aaron Rodgers sees those uniforms and I don't know what happens to him. But I get your point. You don't want to let those guys in the playoffs when... I'm adding them. I'm sorry, everyone. Really, well, Tampa's going to get in. Yeah. And Green Bay is a half game back of the Commanders. Yeah. Tied with Seattle, who that's been fun. They've melted down. Yeah. And tied with Detroit, who showed us who they are when they are actually wow. getting some yeah, attention. The, the Niners, super fun defense to walk. The, the McCaffrey, all the Brock Purdy story. The Mr. Relevant, such a great story. And here comes our NFC title game, folks. Green Bay Packers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, the Jalen Hurts Eagles, Sirianni. What a terrific story. Guess what? No one cares it's these two guys again i will i i don't even know what out like physically my body will start to reject itself i think if i have to watch a, a, an nfc <laughs> championship like, game between like rogers and brady for the suns two years ago where your body's like i'm out of here anyone in the afc where you're like you're looking outside bill's chiefs so you mentioned the Bengals. are, are you gonna do you want to buy into a miami run with the offense they have i mean no, two is just back in the concussion again, protocol no. no no but here's here's what i find interesting about the afc is as bland as the nfc is i really think the afc is interesting because it, it should be bill's chiefs right that probably should well respect to the Eagles, but I was going to say that should be the Super Bowl, but Philadelphia obviously deserves to be there too. Um, it should be Bills Chiefs. It's never what it should be. So I find myself looking at, okay, who's going to ruin this? Can I throw out my one team? It, well, I know it's not Cincinnati because mm-hmm. I think Cincinnati can ruin it. Yours? They, well, I just think they've beat the Chiefs three times in a row. So I could see them taking the Chiefs out, but then the Bills taking them out. I am fascinated though by the idea of a Bengals Chargers first round matchup. 
just because it's it's Burrow and Herbert. Who's your one team? I'm kind of buying the Jets. No, shut up. I'm kind of buying a little bit. To come out of the Putting AFC? Putting it together at the right time. Peterson, he's done it before. They're not coming out of the AFC. I'll take that bet. You not coming out of the AFC, but I'm saying oh, to, mess to it your up question for of who's going to mess it up for someone who yeah. has that huge first round upset, yeah. who makes it out of like the, the wild card range and then takes the team on a bye, which will be the Bills and the Chiefs. And, and I want to toss a jack. Go ahead. Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be great. Maybe he's getting there. They have to make the playoffs, but they're going to because Tennessee's just oh, giving up on it, the wouldn't season. Wouldn't it just be crazy if Tom Brady somehow makes it out of the NFC and then Mahomes and Allen aren't there because Trevor Lawrence led the Jags to the... Wouldn't that just be so unlucky yeah, for us? It's, well, let's just play this out because, I mean, Tampa's horrible. They really are horrible. Let's, <laughs> let's just play game, this out. They are the most aesthetically... Un- like You talk about aesthetically pleasing all the yeah. time. They're the most aesthetically unpleasing sports team. Do you know how like, many like children any sport? around the country are probably... Probably crying, being like, "Is Christmas over?" Watching that game because yes, that felt like children were crying watching your football team. You are a crime to society. Um, Let's let's quickly map this out: the garbage path that Tom Brady gets to another Super Bowl. Okay, so they'll make the playoffs in a division where they could have won three games. So okay, check they're going to make the playoffs there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see, they'll play Dallas in the first round. Dallas melts down. Yeah, okay. I mean, Dallas Dallas is more than capable. Uh, Philadelphia doesn't get Jalen Hurts back in time. I was going to say maybe Hurts comes back too early. Minshew. Not enough. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. so, so maybe, and then you know the Vikings have have continued their last second ways through the playoffs somehow, and then obviously Brady would take them out. And then yeah, you're right. Something weird happens in the AFC, and it's it's Brady versus the Jaguars or Brady versus the Bengals, and yay. That is the the argument against what I said in the top. Is that since there are only four teams, that means only like one needs to slip up, and then all of a sudden this random team is like the Bengals were just in the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. kind of thing. Like no one would have predicted. The same thing can happen here. Like you said, like if Hurts just pushes them back too early, the Bucks win the one game that they're really not supposed to. Like we could see them beating the Cowboys. Of course, we could see them beating these other teams. But all it takes is like just a Hurts injury or something like that, or on the other side, like we've seen in the past when Mahomes kind of wears down towards the end of the season, his mobility. He's not quite there. Like that kind of thing could happen here. All the good teams, really, other than Philadelphia and and I would say San Francisco, are in the AFC right now. So I mean, it is the perfect path for Brady. Although I got to say, they really are bad. Like, I'm asking for a like I don't even I don't even think I pay for like Sunday ticket, but I'm asking for a refund anyway. I, and it doesn't even apply to the playoffs. They aren't even on Sunday ticket. But like if I get Brady Rogers in the NFC chip, I'm going to ask for a refund for anything. I think you have to. Go I'm going to through... be at the drive through at Starbucks and be like, I need a refund. It's Brady and Rogers <laughs> again. I need to. I need financial. <laughs> Why they should having like, to yeah, watch this? Here's your free latte, and we understand it's Brady again. <laughs> so oh, the, this, this guy, you're the third guy today. We get it. I think you have to go through YouTube TV now to get that refund. We will need on that Monday. We will. You guys will need to have a segment to cope. Like every show will need a coping segment to be like, oh my god, it's Brady. No, Rogers Wolf again. will love it. He'll be like, this is amazing. Look at these <laughs> legacies guys are, are on the line. There's my Wolf. Oh, hey, he did it at twelve fifty six. Yeah. One fifty six. All right, when we come back. Hey, I just saw this guy wandering around. What did Dave Burns think went wrong in the Cardinals? Lost to the Buccaneers on Sunday. Well, we're going to ask him next. He has to come in here. He's out there talking to people, but his time is up. It's Wolf and Luke Kellen Olsen in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.